I don't know about you, but it sure feels like there's a lot flying at me this time of the year. Today, Dave and I talk about capture. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. I'm happy to be welcoming back to the show Dr. Dave Stahoviak. Wow, (laughs) all formal on me. For those of you who, I was thinking actually about that this morning that I don't introduce you very formally, which one would normally not introduce one's husband very formally, but you, you know, in your own right, have earned the right to sit here besides just being married to me. So if it's your first time listening, Dave teaches as an adjunct and has done so for many years at the undergraduate and graduate levels. And I think it's great having you on the show because you can kind of give the perspective of capture for someone that's got a lot of different aspects of the roles that they play. And then for those of you just listening for the first time, maybe I work as a full-time professor in mostly traditional undergraduate. I'm actually trying to stop saying traditional undergraduate because people are starting to say the demographics of undergraduate education are evolving so quickly that there shouldn't be a term like that. But Mostly it's 18 to 22 year olds, not entirely, but mostly. And then I also teach as an adjunct elsewhere in different programs, including a doctoral program. The world really has changed as far as the ages that people are getting degrees over the last generation for the better mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So it's it's cool to see how many options there are out there for people now. Yeah, I have a couple guys in my classes who have served in the military, including one who served over in Afghanistan and just being able to write their or read their introductions here at the start of the semester and just think about all the things that they've already seen in their young lives. It's really pretty amazing. This week, as Dave knows, I forgot my power cord for my Mac at home, and there just was a lot of stuff flying at me, and I was just reminded of the importance of doing what David Allen, who wrote the book called Getting Things Done, calls capture, calls this process capture. And one thing I don't want you to get confused at, if you have been listening to the show for a while, Dave and I talked about something called personal knowledge management on an earlier episode. And we also had wonderful Georgia Tech librarians come in and do a follow-up workflow show. But that idea, we did use the word capture to talk about capturing knowledge, actually capturing information that then we transform into knowledge. But in this case, we're more talking about on the time management, the task management, all of those actions or potential actions that come into our lives and how we might capture them. That's the way we're using the word, the way that David Allen does in his book, Getting Things Done. So let's start out by what is capture? Dave, how do you think of the word capture? How do you think of it in terms of the getting things done context? Well, I think of it as anything that's coming at me that I need to I need to act on at some point in the future. So if someone is making a request of me or if I get an email or I have to follow up with someone, for example, this morning we were walking out, we're recording this on a Sunday, we were walking out of church this morning and one of uh, our other members of church came up to me and said, oh, you know, we are 
we are putting together this committee and we'd like you to help on this committee. And can you let me know if you'd be interested in helping? And and so right away, I needed to capture two things. One, she handed me her card with her number on it because she wasn't sure I had it. So I need to capture that. And I also needed to capture the fact that I need to get back to her all the while while Hannah's crying in the stroller. <laughs> um, and so I really had to think because it's one of those things that I have learned that if I, you know, it seems like at the later in the day, like right now, I'm like, okay, of course, I'm going to remember to do that. But I know that two days later, I'd never remember to do that. So I have to find a way to get that into my system somehow, but to do it in a quick way. So I don't have to sit there and agonize over for 20 minutes, like, okay, am I going to do this or get back to or what? Um, I can think about it later, but I know I've got it in my system and then I can free my mind to handle what I really need to handle right then, which is trying to figure out how to get Hannah to stop crying and get her to the car for a nap. And there is a lot of stuff that goes flying at us throughout the week like that, stuff that we didn't necessarily create on our own. I mean, maybe someone's replying to an email that we wrote to them, but a lot of stuff's coming to us, phone calls, emails, business cards. At our university, the student athletes now are all coming around giving us these papers that say, hey, I'm in athletics. These are the classes that I'm going to miss. This is the, this is sort of, it's a, it's actually really been a good thing that they do to help them just really emphasize the academic part of their school experience. So it's a good thing they do, but all these students coming up and they're going to give me a paper and I have to sign this thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really coming at us. And actually, David Allen in Getting Things Done distinguishes these kinds of things that are flying at us and coming in in all different ways to the things that we should be doing to get stuff out of our head. So we might be walking along thinking about, ah, I'm going to do some research in this area and I just had an idea of a possible avenue I might explore that that's important to get down. And and he argues that the better that we can capture those things and actually go through processes that will generate more of it, get it out of our head, think about the different roles we play, think about the different projects, think about the grants we're working on, these kinds of things, the more we can get it out of our head, the more we free our brains up for creativity. Now, I know that we have pretty much all academics or or someone who's on their way to try to teach in higher ed listening and you might instantly go how could he how could he support that with research and he does i mean he does have some evidence there but i don't know that it's going to stand up to anyone listening anyone of i don't know if it'll stand up the kind of rigor that we might see in a in a peer reviewed study but i will say anecdotally for myself I sure feel better Mm -hmm. when I go through this process. I can tell when I've been doing it just how the stress goes down for me and how much more creative I can be by going through the process. So it is anecdotal, but from one person who does this pretty much every week, the process that we're going to describe today of capturing, oh, really lowers my stress. And even though it'd be really difficult to quantify, really has increased my creativity. Yeah, well, and he's he's a big believer that it's not about your mind isn't for holding stuff. It's for being creative and, and thinking. So, and I've, I've certainly found that to be true anecdotally as well. So we're going to look at each one of these types of capturing the stuff that comes at us that we didn't necessarily ask for, please take it back (laughs) to the stuff that we do try to get out of our heads to, to lower that stress and to free us up to be more creative. And when he talks about David Allen, when he talks about in his book, the different inboxes, this was something that as a professor, I really had to change because I had worked in the corporate world 
And and back, I mean, this is a little bit ago, but we had the physical inbox sitting on our desks and we had email and phone calls. And that was about it. And I'd go home and there wasn't the inbox at home and this kind of stuff. But as a professor, I've got an inbox here at home, a physical inbox where mail comes in. I've got an inbox at my office. I actually have even a mailbox to, that's different than the inbox sitting in my office. I have a laptop bag that I carry around that has folders in it. I have a cell phone. I have a work phone. I have a bunch of different emails, depending on, I mentioned I teach as an adjunct too. So I've got my regular institution. I've got the institution I adjunct for. I mean, it, it, there are a lot of different inboxes. And that used to make me think like I was doing something wrong. And he says, you need to have as many inboxes as you need and no more. And I thought that that's okay. So it's okay. And especially if you're someone who's going back and forth between sometimes we're working from home, sometimes we're working at the university, the need to have some kind of a traveling inbox, I have found to be really helpful just to have in my laptop bag, have a folder there. It says inbox on it. And that that's okay. I just have to have captured somewhere so that I remember to go check that inbox so that the things I need to attend to don't just get stuck there and left there, which I will say has happened to me in the past. So if I'm doing my processes well, that inbox gets emptied out and processed just like a regular inbox would. And this is a place where technology has helped us to consolidate a little bit. And so, for example, you and I have a home phone number set up that's just a we don't really use our home phone, but it's set up as a voicemail inbox. It goes right to our email when we get a message. Uh, we have a Google number for a podcast. It affects when folks ask questions this podcast that comes into our email inbox. I try as much as possible to the extent that I can of anything that comes in on a social network or anything online to always come to my email inbox. You know, you can set up different things to come different places, but I try to use my email inbox as kind of my one place for everything. And yes, that means I get more email, but I know that if it's there, I'm going to handle it and I've got a process for going through that. So I think that there's part of it is how many inboxes do you need to have and have whatever you need to have. But when there is possibility to consolidate something using technology, that that's a great thing to investigate. And sometimes a little bit of time setting that up can save you a lot of time in the long run to keep things in less places. Two other places I thought where things might come in, faculty meetings or committee meetings, and also those conversations that students, at least in my case, I'm sure I'm not alone, like to have with us after class when we have 10 minutes to get from the class we're in to the next classroom and take down a laptop and set it up in the next room and hope that the projector hooks up and all that good stuff. So a lot of different, not necessarily something like an email, something like a, like a voicemail, but in this case, a conversation where a student doesn't realize, you know, and that I don't want them to feel like one out of 120 or 150. I want them to feel special and important to me. The fact of the matter is at the end of the day, some days I'm going to have seen that many students. I might not hopefully <laughs> have them all needing something from me, but I, boy, I will not remember that by the time the end of the day comes. I'm I'm spent by the time the day ends. So we want to have ways to capture this. So let's talk about some of the tools, Dave, that you and I use sure. for the kind of capturing that's just coming at us. Well, I mentioned my email box already. So that that that's uh, self-explanatory, I think. But then... And speaking of the email, for anyone who has not heard the term zero inbox, that is something that Dave and I subscribe to. And that comes back, that phrase comes from Merlin Mann, and Merlin Mann is kind of 
become a little bit of a productivity guru. Mm-hmm. And he did a presentation for Google for their employees about, and essentially his, his I won't go too much on it because people aren't excited about zero inbox in academia as much as I think those of us that read productivity books for fun are. But the idea is that we don't, with our mailbox at home, we don't go out there and if we go out there and see that there's something there and we don't really need it right now, we just leave it in the mailbox come back inside the house and just keep leaving stuff in the mailbox. So his idea is that we go to our mailbox, whether it's our email box or our actual mailbox at our house, and we process things and get them out of the inbox so that it's empty. It's zero. The inbox is zero at the end of the day. So Dave and I do subscribe to that. We're not going to talk about that at length on this episode because I have found that is not an exciting topic for a lot of academics and our Joy in life is not to bore you, but if you'd ever like to chat about it and I'm wrong, tell me because we'll do an episode on it and well, talk more about it. I'll tell you, it's an issue in academia. I don't know how many times I've had students tell me, um, you know, I emailed so-and-so or this past professor I had and they never got back to me mm-hmm. or they never respond. And I don't know. I just I just think that's bad customer service. Like that's just not professional if a student emails you. I don't think you need to respond instantly, but I think if you're in a class and someone's someone has asked you a question, you need to get back to them in mm-hmm. some sort of reasonable amount of time. So anyway, all right, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Yeah, I was so impressed by so many of the people. I mentioned during our last episode how many great guests that we have signed up already mm-hmm. for 2015. And it's we're early now still in the year. And boy, it's amazing. One of them we have, I have booked for July and she's in the middle of writing a book. And so she's protecting her time in writing her book. And that's how this woman writes multiple books, by the way. <laughs> and But she got back to me. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, I want to respond to your email, but I need a little bit of time. And then she responded and said, hey, send me a couple episodes so I can listen and get a flavor out. She, she scheduled. Actually, I'm going to get back to her in June and we'll schedule a time for July. I mean, that that right there is someone who understands the aspect of the professionalism around students and and potential partners getting back to them and at the same time preserving that time for writing and research. Yeah, well, and I think there's a message there for all of us is if you want to be influential in your career and to build a strong network that you've learned to get good at that or you've helped people, you've talked to people who can help you get good at that. So a few tools that we use besides that ascribing to the zero inbox. I mentioned the folders that I have in my laptop bag. I actually really like the folders that David Allen sells on his website and I will link to them in the show notes. And they have, it's the the idea of one of them's the inbox. He has the idea that we could carry around files that we might need to review with us. So if we get to a meeting and it doesn't start on time or that kind of thing that you have something with you, I tend to most of that's these days virtual. I don't really use that folder that much, but it's a nice collection. And of course you can get them a lot cheaper at a place like a Staples or Office Max or that kind of stuff. But what I like about them is they're made of plastic and they're a lot more long lasting than ones that you might buy, like your manila folders. I also like it because they're really bright colors and then I can keep track of theirs where my sign-in sheets are. That's where those are the handouts I'm going to need for later. And it's just, and they kind of make this little slick thing when they Hannah was playing with them yesterday, but that's a tangent. So I like that one. We also both use an app called Drafts. Do you want to talk a little bit about Drafts? Drafts is my go-to place when stuff comes at me and I need to just quickly record it because I'm going to forget about it later, but it needs to go somewhere. And so what Drafts is, it's an app for the iPhone and the iPad for those of your iOS users. And it is a brilliant at doing one thing really well. It does other things too, but you open it up, there's a cursor, you type what you need and you close it. And it records it as a note. And 
and it opens right into that cursor and it creates a new note every time you open it. And then you can go back later and you can look at the list of all the things you've put in there. So I've disciplined myself like this morning when I was talking to someone and Hannah was crying out on the church patio. Um, I opened up my phone. I wrote down call back. The name of the person was there. Took five seconds and put the phone away. And that way it's in the system. And I don't worry about, okay, when am I going to do it? You know, figuring out the whole thing. Don't worry about that at all. Because I have in my task management system, OmniFocus, which we'll probably talk about in a bit, is twice a week to go in there and to process everything that I've, you know, anything that came at me, someone made a request, someone mentioned something in a conversation. But I also put things in there like if I'm thinking about something, where, um, or maybe I'm listening to an audiobook and I think of an idea like I did this morning. I was listening to an audiobook when I was doing the laundry and the author said something. I was like, oh, what a good idea. And so I just jotted that on the drafts app real quick. And later on, I'll go back and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with that. Is that something I'm going to record as a article idea later? Is that something I'm going to use in a class? Is that something I'm going to use for work? Um, is that something maybe that's just I want to know about and I want to record somewhere? So that's my system for getting things in and disciplining myself to capture them in a way that they're not just going to disappear out of memory 20 minutes later. A lot of the tools that are on our smartphones these days are getting better and better at capture. And I'd say drafts is one of the cutting edge ones just because it is so simple. Like Dave said, you open it up and it's ready to go. But one that's giving it a little bit of a run for its money and is also available on more than just our Apple devices so those of you on droids or other types of smartphones is Evernote. And Evernote, in fact, it's, it's tag phrase, something to do with it being your brain. You know, so it's that whole idea of getting it out of our heads and out of these sticky notes and these business cards and having it as our brain. And so it allows you to capture pretty quick. In fact, a lot of times you can just drag down on your phone and tap a little thing and off you're off and running to the races, not just to capture text like drafts is good at, but also to capture a picture, to capture audio and so on and so forth. So Evernote's a great one for easy capture. And actually they have two associated apps that I'd like to talk about just briefly. One they just rolled out recently and it's called Scannable. And Scannable is Evernote's scanning app. So if you've got a business card, you've got a document, you put it down on some kind of a contrasting surface. So if it's a white document, you put it down on a wood table, and there's enough of a contrast there that it automatically recognizes where the document ends and the table begins, and it'll crop it for you. And it also gets rid of any of the shadows that are there. Because a lot of times, I don't know about you, but you, you put your phone above a piece of paper to try to take a picture of it from above you got the shadow of your arm there taking the picture. It gets rid of all that. It gets rid of the shadows. It's mm. really smart. Cool. And it makes it so crisp and easy to read. And then you can do anything with it from send it to Evernote, which would be the most obvious choice. But you can email it. You can message it. All kinds of things that you could do now that you've scanned it. So that's scannable from Evernote. And then this app isn't made by Evernote, but a lot of apps talk to Evernote because it is so popular and ubiquitous. Sound Ever is an audio recorder that automatically goes into Evernote. And it could be that you just leave yourself a quick note that you want to take and maybe you don't want to actually type it, but you want to say something to remind yourself of something earlier. Or if you're like me and you're driving down the road and your son starts, <laughs> what was he saying today? I wanted to capture on oh, audio. Oh, a blueberry muffin. Oh, he has a just adorable way of saying blueberry. <laughs> and so I wanted to capture that and I did. And it went right into Evernote, just a quick and easy way when, when you got someone being adorable. 
horrible. So that's helpful. So those are the tools that help us to capture the things coming at us. We talked about zero inbox. Dave, anything else you want to say about this? Yeah, I think the key is, is have something. So it doesn't have to be digital. You could have a three by five note card that you have with a pen that you carry around in your pocket and someone says something or you think about something or you have a great idea, you write it down. And then, you know, later on, you could always scratch it off, not do anything with it. Probably a third to half of the things I jot down in drafts, you know, whenever I end up processing it, I just delete it because I'm like, that wasn't really that relevant after all, or wasn't that great an idea. So it doesn't have to be digital, although the digital tools are really cool now. But the key is is to get it down somewhere, not to try to ca- you know not try to think of to get everything in your brain. And I think that this is actually a real issue for smart people, which is a lot of the people listening to the show. Is the smarter and more um, IQ you have, the more you try to do this, which is to hold things in your brain because you're good at it and you have a way of of organizing that. Uh, at least you know I. I, I feel like I've struggled with that before, and I've I've learned that I really need to discipline myself to get stuff down and not try to hold everything in my head because it doesn't work. After a while, you just forget about things. The other kind of capture we want to talk about. I'm I'm coming up with this term. This is not a David Allen term, but it's the self-generated capture process. So the first types of tools and the first type of things that Dave and I were talking about are the things that are coming at us. But David Allen also recommends that we sort of shake out our brains and get rid of some of the loose change that's in there too, to free it up, to not have to have it thinking about, oh, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this, to free it up by let's get that down so we don't have to be spending the mental energy on that. So again, this is my phrase, self-generated capture, that we're going to go in and start through this process. He has on his website some great templates, which I'll link to in the show notes, which I use almost every single week. I, I should, if I was 100% of my process, I would use it every week. But it goes through and it says for personal, and he just has triggers, little bullets that you would read that would relate to personal things that might help you realize, oh, you know what, there is something there I need to take care of. And then he's got professional ones and he's got project ones too. For the project, is there anything stuck? Have you identified this? And he, he really walks through and, and I've, I just skim through those things and I'll go, oh, yep, there's something there that I haven't taken care of yet. I'm going to get that out of my mind, get that captured at that point in the process. So a lot of times this comes out of what's called a weekly review. And that's where we sit down and we start to empty our minds. And so we that's one tool that you can use are his templates, but a couple of other ways of thinking about it, I will go through and think about my different roles. So I'm a, I'm a professor, so I've got the roles of any writing that I'm doing. I've got the role of classes that I'm teaching and going through those and asking myself questions of what is coming up in the coming week. What what do I need to be attending to going back to the prior week? And seeing, well, the last time I taught the class, was there anything I committed to or anything that came up that I need to attend to? And then also thinking through projects as well and thinking through what needs to move that project to the next step. Yeah, I do something similar to you. And I actually probably need to go back and look at David Allen's book again and walk, do really think through the weekly review even more strategically. But I um, I was showing you the other day, I've got six or seven things that I ask myself. I look at my yearly goals. I go through and I look at my calendar for the next two weeks. I look at the different projects. I do a quick review. 
Uh, I look at my habits that I'm tracking. So there's six or seven things I do on a weekly basis that I go through and ask myself in order to kind of do what you did, just a little different process for it, but essentially the same, the same thing. So when we think about this, we've got the stuff that's flying at us, and then we have our self-generated capture. And one important thing that should happen, regardless of how many inboxes we're talking about, or whether we generated this next action, or whether it came from someone else, is that it's all eventually going into the same place. I would say that is the biggest distinction in getting value and having the lower stress and knowing that there aren't things that are flying out there that you've committed to and you're not going to be able to follow through on them because your brain just cannot juggle that many things with all that we have going on. And I used to use a tool called Remember the Milk. That's a web-based tool. It's also available on many of the smartphone platforms. And it's nice because it's really simple, easy to learn how to use, has enough features to get us by. And one of the most important features to me in any sort of task management system that I'm going to use is that I can email into it. So it has a special email address that if I'm sitting in the middle of my email and I go, oh, this is going to take more than two minutes for me to do, I can forward that to my task management system and have it all in one place. Then I'm not trying to have my email as one task management system, my papers that came in from students from another task management system, someone who stops by my office as another time management poll, I've got it all in one place and I can more effectively evaluate and prioritize that way. So I used to use Remember the Milk and today, as Dave alluded to earlier, we both use one that is a Mac specific one called OmniFocus. And I I actually heard one of our podcasts that we love to listen to called the Mac Power Users refer to OmniFocus as easy to get started with. I would beg to differ. I do not think OmniFocus is easy to get started with, Dave. But It's easier now than it used to be. It, it used to be the, <laughs> the first version of OmniFocus was more of a, it just, it was not very user-friendly. Um, it's, it's still not as simple as something like Remember the Milk or some of the other time management apps, but it is easier to use and you can do it, you can use it for very simple things and you can use it for very complex things too. That's what I like about it is you can scale with it really easily. And it's powerful. Um, oh, it's and very it, and powerful. It's, and it's the new version, version two, is really uh, much easier to use, much more user friendly. They really rethought the whole user interface, and it's uh, it's very, very powerful. If you're looking for a time management system and you're a Mac user, it's a it's a great one. Mm-hmm. Two more things I'll mention as far as tools. Sometimes we want to get more visual, and if you like to do that through the old fashioned pen and paper. You can do some sticky notes and start to kind of map things out on a sticky note and put them on a wall. And if you want that to then go digital, there is an app for Post-Its Plus. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, which by the way, are going to be at teachinginhighered.com slash 32. And so that's a great app that'll help you if you're, I, I like to do that sometimes with stickies and then you can kind of move them around and start to see trends and patterns and and move your your ideas around that way. And then if you want a software version as far as a a tool that'll help you do that, there are a lot of good mind mapping apps, including the one that Dave and I like to use. Called MindNode, M-I-N-D-N-O-D-E. And I think there's a free version and a pro version. Yeah. And it's nice to, to be able to have a mind map where you can drag things around kind of like you would do with the sticky notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that one because it's, it's, it's simple. It's not quite as crazy powerful as the big mind mapping software out there, but it's just really great for thinking through ideas and doing it on an iPad or a Mac or wherever. 
Dave and I would love to know if there's any tools that we missed that help you in juggling all these things that are coming at us and all these things we should be thinking about in terms of the capture process. We'd also love feedback too on if this is the kind of topic you like to see because we haven't been doing too much of this, although I do have a productivity guru who's going to be coming on the show too. So that'll be a, awesome. a fun mix. So if you have questions around this, uh, let us know and we'll, we'll certainly add that to the mix. But this is the time in the show where we each will be doing a recommendation. My recommendation this week is very outside my normal kind of recommendation because it's about cooking. And Dave knows I do not typically do a lot of cooking, but I have been doing more cooking lately. You have. And it is an app called Paprika. And it's an app that's on your Mac, also can be on the iOS devices too. My apologies to my PC friends. There are some good recipe apps out there for the PC too. But the biggest thing for me is just the ease of being able to capture, speaking of capture, Mm -hmm. them and having access to them later. And sometime later on, we'll tell you about our grocery delivery service. But for now, I would definitely recommend checking out Paprika if you have any interest in collecting recipes in a super easy way. You go to a website that has a recipe on it, you click, and it automatically parses out into this uniform database of paprika then so that you can know exactly how long it's going to take to cook it. And if you want to do things like, oh, it serves eight, but I only want to serve four. Yes, most of us can do that math in our head, hooray, (laughs) but it'll do it for you. I mean, it's just really, really a nice, nice program, easy to use. It is cool. It's very cool. And uh, to go along with that, I will do our recommendation of our grocery service. My recommendation is... (laughs) It's a coincidence. (laughs) It's a coincidence. Amazon Fresh we've started to use, which I'm not sure is available everywhere yet, but it is available in Southern California where we are. And... um, and, and yeah, this, I mean, one challenge we have, we both work full time. We have two children under the age of three at home. It is, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like, uh, uh, what's the, I don't want to sound like a victim, but it's hard to sometimes like figure out how to get to the grocery store and have kids with you and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And so that's a couple hours a week. And we've tried out this Amazon fresh delivery service and it really has worked great so far. And yeah, it's a little bit more expensive, I think, than buying groceries at the store, and it does have a yearly charge. So I think it's, what, $200 a year beyond the, we already do Amazon Prime. So, you know, $200 a year comes out to what, whatever amount a month that is. Um, I don't know what, $12, 13 14 <laughs> Clearly neither of us did any, uh, any degrees in math. I try not to think about it too hard because I was so in love from the first delivery. Yeah. And so, but anyway, um, I think it's probably worth it for us when we think of the amount of time that we save. Uh, it's been great. They're, they have this delivery window. They show up. They drop off everything. They keep it in nice, cooled bags. And uh, it's really been helpful to us over the last couple of weeks, I think, of navigating the first part of the semester and having food here and people not needing to run around and try and make sure there's enough milk in the house. And Mm -hmm. that's been really, really cool. I did see this comparison of grocery store prices and it's comparable. So we're not paying that much more. Although they said you do have to watch it because just like anything on any service, they'll have some that are higher and some that are lower priced than you might see. I just clipped our first coupons too. They have virtual coupons now. Well, there you go. Yes, but it came with for free which nothing in life is free. It's just going to help us buy more groceries. But it came with this hardware device called the Amazon Dash. And it's about the size of, I don't know, know, a three pound weight or something like that. Oh, pepper shaker is a better example. And just sits out on your kitchen counter and it has a microphone. So you just talk into it and say, eggs, (laughs) 
bread or whatever, and it goes in and adds that to this little queue on your grocery app. So you can go and later on move things into your cart if you want them. Funniest thing, our son was sitting at, well, he doesn't sit very much. We were sitting at dinner and he had gone to the kitchen and was awfully suspiciously quiet. And I thought, what is going on? And all of a sudden he pipes up, I want milk. (laughs) (laughs) And he's talking Talking into the the dash. dash. And I have it recorded on Amazon now. I don't have the heart to delete it until I can save it as an audio file or something. But it's so funny. Even he has it figured. It actually really is easy to use. Yeah. I mean, it's because it, I set it up on the wireless network in about two and a half seconds. I mean, it's just really smart, super easy to use. And I do think that, yes, we're paying more for the convenience of it. At the same time, us eating home more because mm-hmm. we tend to eat out a lot. So us eating home more, who knows, maybe we'll we'll work out. Some. Well, we're actually pretty good at eating home. On the weekends, we'll go out. But uh, yeah, it's but it's just the time. And actually, it's been more of a time saver for me because I'm mm-hmm. the one who normally does the grocery shopping. Two to three hours a week on average is huge <laughs> in my schedule. So yeah, anyway, that's cool. So try that out if you're looking for good advice on some tools and just having fun with technology too, which we always love to have fun with. And even if they don't have Amazon in your area, perhaps they have a grocery delivery service that's comparable. Almost you- almost certainly they do because there's three or four of them out there mm-hmm. now. So just do a search online for you know Amazon Fresh versus whatever and uh, you'll find something good. Thanks so much for listening to this episode number 32 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast. If you'd like to go to the show notes and comment, feel free to do so at teachinginhighered.com slash 32. Also, always welcome your feedback in general on the show at teachinginhighered.com slash feedback. As always, if you have yet to subscribe to the weekly show notes and the teaching or productivity article that comes into your inbox once a week, that you can do at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe. And if you do so, you will get the free Ed Tech Essentials Guide. And I just want to thank Dave for being on the show again. You're welcome. And look forward to having you back in future episodes. And I love your articles, by the way. It's not just a article. It's one you write every week. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.